0: On this episode of Dion Extend, we discuss the aspects of Linux and the open source communities that we are thankful for. This episode of Dion Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. Welcome to episode 85 of DLN Extend. DLN Extend is a community-powered podcast. We take conversations from the DLN community from places like the DLN discourse forums, Telegram groups, Discord server, and more. We also take topics from other shows around the network and give our takes. And with me is the photographer extraordinaire and the person that has the totally, totally unhealthy obsession with open susa despite what he says nate and wendy what's going on guys
1: great and i'm gonna say almost totally i'll give you almost totally no it's it's an unhealthy obsession (laughs) all right if you say so even if you're not right you know you're entitled to your wrong opinion even if you might have evidence in the contrary
0: i'm pretty sure we have (laughs) photographic evidence and audio evidence on a couple of different shows Yeah, we do (laughs) sure Anyway, so Wendy, what have you been up to?
2: (laughs) Well, we talked last week about a game that I played, one that Matt suggested that Nate and I both bought. And after talking about the prequel game more last week, I went ahead and bought it and I think five or six other games. Yeah, yeah, I did it. I've installed at least one of them, but I haven't played any. So thank you. I am becoming a Matt buying all the games, not playing any them by the end of this year, which isn't too far away. I should have one heck of a backlog. <laughs>
0: ha. Was not just me then.
1: But <laughs> well, Then you can make your 2022 New Year's resolution. I'm not going to buy any games until I've played through all of my backlog and then go back on that resolution three months into the new year like somebody else. Absolutely. Well,
2: you
0: know, it was a good thing I didn't go three months in because it was six, thanks.
1: Six, three, you know, it's not what the truth is. It's just how you tell the story. no.
0: <laughs> There's a partial truth, and then there's a partial of a partial truth, and you're telling the partial of a partial truth. So get it right.
2: Meh, meh. Heck, you tried to lie on that episode by saying that it was going to be six months when that episode dropped. So I don't know what you're saying. You were skirting the truth there a little bit.
0: I was arguing six and a half months on that episode. (laughs) (laughs) You splitting hairs.
2: (laughs) Totally splitting
0: hairs. (laughs) You can call it what you want.
2: We will. (laughs) we will. Oh, I know you will. I've bought games I haven't played, but you are getting to play with something else. What is it, Nate?
1: Well, I've been playing around with DOSBox. I don't know what happened, but I think I had maybe like a bit of a head injury yesterday or something when I was working on the chicken coop. When I sat down on my couch, I thought, you know, I haven't played this game Sim Ant in a while, and I haven't really played with DOSBox in a long while. And so I started just kind of digging into it again. I installed DOSBox, which it's now called DOSBox Staging. I guess the original project on SourceForge kind of petered out, I guess, a little bit. So now it's hosted on GitHub. And I was trying to figure out how to, use to make things more automatic in DOSBox because you know, I don't have to type the same commands over and over again. The documentation, I feel like it's written for people who are very experienced with DOS and I'm not. Long story short, I lost about an hour of my life playing SimAnt and running Windows three one one in DOSBox playing FreeCell. I don't know why I did that. It's not really any better, but there's something about those old chunky graphics that I really enjoyed. And my kids were asking me, well, how does this game work? And so they're sitting around me not understanding how to play FreeSell. And I felt at that point that maybe I'm doing my kids a disservice by not showing them how to play these old, old games like FreeSell that don't have great graphics. And I even don't know why I even like the game, actually, now that I think about it. But anyway, so I was playing around with that. I got some things figured out how I can make things just run automatically by setting up different config files for different... Applications or games or whatever. So it was kind of fun. A little stray off into the unplanned nether regions of the uh open source world. So DOS.
2: Sounds like fun. I don't know. It seems like the really bad graphics are back in style anymore where it comes to I guess not necessarily bad graphics, but the chunky pixelated graphics are back in style, just as I look around and see the absolutely ugly late 80s, 90s glasses are back in style and wonder why. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand why kids wouldn't love it. It's the thing now.
0: Wendy, do you mean those lovely glasses from like movies like Terminator and stuff?
2: The regular eyeglasses that go halfway down your face and they're extremely ugly. And I hid mine every single morning on purpose so I wouldn't have to wear them to school. And now I see people (laughs) buying them and wearing them when they have a choice to have other options it drives me nuts it absolutely drives me nuts but it comes from a kid who had glasses in the early 90s and thought they were horrible
0: to be fair glasses that were designed in that time frame were horrible <laughs> Yes. Let's be real. Same boat late 90s. Glass designs were terrible. This is true. They've gotten better. I'll give them that.
1: When I'm not playing with the old operating systems or whatever,
0: Matt, you're playing with old media? Well, old-ish. I mean, you can kind of look at it however you want. I went on a (laughs) Blu-ray buying spree. Let's just put it that way. Nice. Anybody who knows me, I'm a big physical media collector. It's just, Nate, you'll probably understand this one do you all understand this. It's a weird thing of a sense of ownership, but- Also, it's not tied to like, oh, you can only use it on this streaming service. Kind of like what happened with Star Trek Discovery recently, where it was on Netflix. Then it went to Paramount Plus the day before the uh, new season aired, you know, kind of like that. Whereas this, I can just kind of whenever I want. Holiday season is always fun. I'm a bargain hunter. So a lot of the places around here that sell like video games and all the other stuff, they also have like a lot of movies and Blu-rays and DVDs, and all that kind of stuff. One of the places ironically I went to was our local dollar store. They had probably three full shelves of just like DVDs and Blu-rays and all this other stuff. I just went in and bought a bunch of random Blu-rays. They're a dollar a piece. What do I care? Wow. So I came out with like the last season of Battlestar Galactica, a couple of other different full length TV shows that I came out with. And I was like, ah, that was interesting. I haven't had that happen in a while. (laughs) Kind of expanding the Blu-ray collection a little more than I already have. At a buck, I can't really complain, you know, per movie or show or whatever. Good times.
2: Yeah. And if you don't like them, it's not that big of a deal. You only spend a dollar on them.
0: Exactly. And not going to lie, I really don't care for the last bit of Battlestar Galactica. But you know what? For a buck, I'll buy the blu ray (laughs) I think it was season 4.5 that I got. Then there was a couple of animated movies and stuff. There was, I think it was Justice League versus the Teen Titans or something, which was part of DC's animated universe that they did, which is actually better than most of the Marvel animated stuff. And that was a buck, you know. So stuff like that where it's just like these really interesting finds. That's the part of like the quote unquote scavenger hunting that I enjoy doing sometimes. You never know sometimes what you're going to find in the most weird locations. And that, to me, was probably the most fun part about it, though.
1: So, Matt, I'd really like to knock on you for bargain hunting in the bins of optical media. But I, too, do this every year around this time. I like to dip into those bins and rip whatever I get, put it on my MB server, and watch it that way. That's actually how I get most of my Christmas movies. Like A couple years ago, I got Christmas Vacation. Still holds up. Still very funny. A lot of great one-liners. Not appropriate for this show, but a great, great movie. And some others too, but I'm all about that. I actually have a backlog of things to rip. I kind of do a few here and there whenever using a Make MKV. Sometimes the internet doesn't hold up for whatever reasons. So it's been good pretty, you know, lately, but sometimes just it just goes out. And it's kind of nice having options, you know, if you just want to chill. Also, the streaming services I still pay for. They don't have all the stuff that I want anyway. Now, if it's something that I want anyway, just put it in my library and uh, have it available. And all the smart TVs in the house, it works out
0: well. All the smart TVs that are really just dumb TVs, Nate.
1: I guess I didn't tell you. Some of them are smart TVs, like the Samsung giant thing that has a bit of a curve to it, which is stupid. Oh, uh, gotcha. I can have the MB app right on there and I don't have to do my crazy science experiment to have access to the things that I want. It's actually kind of nice. And it still works. You know, when the internet goes out, I can still access all that, no problem.
2: This episode of Dale on Extend is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Now's the perfect time to dive into DigitalOcean. Their new App Platform service helps you build modern, cloud-native apps for way less money. With App Platform, you can build, deploy, and scale apps and static websites faster and easier than ever using a simple, intuitive interface. Simply point App Platform to your GitHub or GitLab repository and let it do all the heavy lifting. Whether you're using Node.js, Python, Go, PHP, Ruby, Static Sites, Docker, and containers. By running App Platform on their own infrastructure, DigitalOcean keeps your costs significantly lower than any other products. Plus, it's built on top of DigitalOcean Kubernetes, providing a smoother migration path so you can take more control of your infrastructure setup, too. As a DLN Extend listener and member of the DLN community, you can get started building your world-changing app on their app platform for free. And it gets better. DigitalOcean will give you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co/dln. Again, go to do.co/dln to get started with your free $100 credit on DigitalOcean's new app platform. We want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of DLN Extend.
0: I'm busy being thankful for buying physical media. We're gonna look at something that we are really thankful for, and that is Linux and the open source communities that allow us to do basically what we do for various projects like Nate, what are some of the projects and stuff that you are thankful for,
1: though? It can get very cliche and, you know, I'm thinking for the community and everything else. You know, there's been many times this year when I just like stopped to think, wow, all that I'm able to do from people volunteering their time. I mean, I realize there's some business interests too, so it's not totally free in that sense. People who have these passion projects and they build and maintain software packages or bits of software that I use. I mean, look at the Plasma desktop. I'm thinking of the OpenSUSE Tumbleweed project, which is mostly handled by the community some of the main packagers are SuSE employees, but it's out of passion that they really care and really they provide all this to us, to everybody. A lot of people in the Linux and open source community are just really great people. They're truly caring. They want to help you problem solve. You hear from some that the open source community is toxic. I don't think there's any community out there that doesn't have toxic people in it. You're going to have spicy peanuts in a crowd. And I think they're disproportionately highlighted over the the good people, the helpful folks. I'm just thinking, you know, one of our uh, Destination Linux network listeners, Bill, how helpful he's been to me personally, and helped me like problem solve different things. I know, Wendy, Bill has been super helpful to you you know, with home education stuff, as well as to me, and I'm providing some hardware that I can start experimenting with it and so forth. I'm really thankful for people like Bill, like so many really, that really go the extra step to like help other people work through whatever problems it is that they're trying to solve.
2: We have some amazing community members. We talked about one here a couple weeks ago with Olfnik and all the help that he does in the forms. Mm-hmm. Bill has been amazing for both of us when it comes to different projects that we're working on with Without these extremely great resources that are inside the Destination Linux community specifically, I don't know what I do. It's kind of hard to imagine our community without some of these members that we have. And I know that another one that listens to our show all the time, Sandwich Hunter, he's constantly leaving all kinds of wonderful feedback on the shows and comments on not only Destination Linux, but Extend and Hardware Addicts. He's everywhere on the network and has some amazing insight in some of the stuff that he talks about. So yeah, it might be a little cliche, but we do have some super awesome community members That not only are they helping other people achieve their goals, get things done, sharing all kinds of valuable information, but they are great feedback for us as well to make our shows better.
1: And they are in many ways my motivation to keep doing and keep learning and keep growing individually because there's that feedback mechanism where you want to provide them good information too. And I can't say enough how grateful I am for that. Some people get stagnant in, you know, whatever area of interest that they may have. You know, humans are social creatures. I know Matt, he doesn't like socializing with like real people very often, but I know he does. It's that encouragement you get from one another that motivates you to like, you know, go the next mile to figure out the next thing and so forth. And I don't know where I was going to go with all that, but um, things like that. (laughs) It's just so much fun. I get smiles on my face all the time from just the community.
2: I just got another message that popped up from a community member, a bit shady. We've been talking about Manjaro. He's getting ready to try it and played with it a little bit, installed a whole bunch of stuff, removed it, and now getting ready to install it again. Clean install after he played with it. It's kind of fun to see somebody take on one of my favorite distros that I absolutely love and be able to chat with them about it and how the install's going and what they like and what they don't and just get a different perspective on it. Which not only is that wonderful for me, but then it's great content that I can share with all of you with somebody else is on a journey with a different Linux distro.
1: And speaking of Linux distros, I make no bones about the fact that I'm a little bit of a fan of the OpenSUSE project. Very slight. I, I kind of talk about it every once in a while.
2: <gasps> really?
0: Unhealthily
2: <laughs> obsessed, Nate.
0: Unhealthily
1: obsessed.
2: No, I've never heard him mention OpenSUSE before. I have no idea what he's talking about.
1: Right. I know it's just, it's a rare thing. <laughs> You know, I have a lot of older hardware because I don't like spending money on new hardware, especially that project. Not any Linux can do this, really. It's not unique to OpenSUSE by any means, but it keeps old hardware very useful. I'm able to continue to use these 10 uh, year old netbooks, maybe not as efficiently as a new machine, but they're still very usable. Since the keyboards are still good, you know, I threw in some SSDs, so they're pretty decent. They will do everything I need them to do with the kids as far as like, you know, having them learn to touch type, doing a little bit of math games and so forth, or, or spelling games and, and such on them. And, and they work very well for that. You know, they're not great for multimedia so much anymore. Little practical things they can do very well. So of have DOSBox and maybe some of those old educational games from times past might be kind of cool too. The other thing, too is like, you know, I get really high uptime and reliability with my systems. You know, I can remember years ago in the old days of Windows, I call it my dark ages, my four years when I was pretty much using Windows primarily, constantly having issues, not being happy with my technology. And now I just use this stuff. And aside from a little bit of an issue that we had today, I mean, really, do we really have problems? People have been working on this stuff so much, you know, the reliability is really there. And sometimes I feel like I'm spoiled, I can forget to be grateful for what I have. When then when I stop and I look at everything that I have that I'm using today that just was not available to me, let's say 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I I have to stop and think, this is really awesome. Everything from that matrix chat that we use to Audacity as a backup recording, video editing systems that are way better than what I started using when I first did video editing, you know, on old analog systems. It's just so cool. I want to basically say thank you to everybody that's involved in all aspects of getting the software to me and helping me to learn it.
2: There really are some super awesome tutorials out there. And when you come to thankful that people will share how to use different programs. When I started editing this show, which it's been almost a year ago since I took on that task, but I had no idea what I was doing when it came to using Audacity, which Tenacity wasn't around then. And originally we were using a service that helped with the post production side of things that would clean everything up, level it out. So then, really, all I had to do was go in and clean up the spots that we couldn't air, <clears throat> like the extra last week. Sorry, but I had to. Huh?
0: What? Huh? What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're inferring.
2: Yeah, I have no idea. I mean. I didn't leave anything in last week. No idea why I even brought that up. So just cleaning up some of the pauses and that kind of thing. I really didn't have to do anything else. But once we switched services, because that one just wasn't being reliable enough to paying for it. We jumped around all kinds of different services over the last year and a half. But then it was, okay, I have this raw audio. How am I going to take it from this state to a finished, cleaned up, leveled, ready to go state? And I spent a good couple weeks in a tutorial learning how to use it, learning some of the different features, playing with different things. Then there's been some additional tweaks as the year has went on. And if it wasn't for people willing to share their knowledge on, here's this super awesome open source piece of software, and here is how to get the most out of it, there's no way that I would have done it in any reasonable way timely manner
1: i too am super grateful for those that share their knowledge not to plug the forum again because i'm pregnant a few times but it's amazing like how willing people are in our community to share the information to help us find solutions to our problems too i'm dabbling a little bit now with like music production stuff i'm just dabbling I got nothing useful that I can share with anybody. All the suggestions I was given to just try different things or even given links on people who've actually done tutorials on creating different bits of music and whatever with like ardor I'm thinking like, you know, back in the 90s before the internet, you know, the before times, how would have I found the information? You know, what would have been my method of getting that knowledge? I mean, a lot of things were not available at the time, but you would seek stuff out and take a lot longer to find a solution. That's just wonderful. See, I totally agree with you. You know, people who are willing to share how to do something, tutorials, taking the time to build tutorials, this is how you do a thing. Awesome. Is Matt thankful for anything besides picking on me?
2: Picking his nose.
1: Really? I'm really? Thankful for a nose to pick?
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll go to my corner.
0: Sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> Don't lie. So like you guys, I'm thankful for a lot of the stuff that the community does, be it from sharing knowledge to the accessibility of programs. The thing I'm actually really thankful for, though, is what all that giving of time, effort, energy, money, et cetera, you know, whatever the people behind those things are giving is what it allows me to do with the stuff that I need to do. So like it allows me to take a third gen i5 laptop and turn it into a home theater PC. Things like MB and Cody and all these other projects that allow you to do that particular task is great projects like chimera os or gamer os that that work within the confines of a consoleized steam machine mentality and turning a, a pc into a console essentially you're in control of that like the level of control that all this stuff allows you to do and solutions that it provides like nate you and your home kit stuff for like your light switches mm-hmm. that stuff being available to people and implement in their own way is something that I'm really thankful for because what that allows is that open-ended solution and problem solving for people that we might not necessarily think of. Because if you look at a lot of the, I don't want to say proprietary stuff, but if you look at the other side of the coin, there's stuff available, but it's very locked down, restricted, kind of, you know, do it this way. Whereas if you do know how to code or if you want to learn how to code and you want to make something work, well, there's probably a way for you to make it to work in some way, shape, or form. Oh, for sure. Or somebody has shared that knowledge with a script, uh, you know, a binary dev or you know, whatever for an application, et cetera. To me, that is the best part of the entire ecosystem. Pros and cons, like everything else, but that is the thing I'm most thankful for because like you, you like your longevity in your machines. I like a certain length of longevity in my machines. I'm not as bad as you when it comes to that. What do you mean bad? Unhealthily obsessed. (laughs) That better? Well.
2: He's saying he's not as much of a hoarder when it comes to some of his technology. Once it hits a particular age, then he finally lets it go.
0: I have no problem letting go of technology. I'm not holding on to a C64. But that's still useful. It's not obsolete yet. To you, it's useful. Sure. I'm just <laughs> saying for me, it doesn't fall into that boat. But it's stuff like that for people who like you, the Commodore 64 or you know, Amiga OS or was it Pi Mega I believe, is the other thing. Yeah, there's stuff like that that you wouldn't get anywhere else because of Linux and open source and those communities and those people building it. So we should be really thankful for just having that overall ecosystem that allows that and has that and that people are willing to participate in that. And that's the biggest thing. People are willing to participate in that. That's the biggest thing I'm thankful for, though, is just the overall find your solution that the communities and the projects and everything else provides as a whole.
2: That goes for an extremely wide range of interests. Yeah, we all come together here because we have a love of Linux, but then there are different subcategories, or as I say, we're all geeks, and then we have different versions of geek inside this community. Consider myself a light Linux geek, I guess you would say, plus I'm a photography geek, and I'm able to still do that on the Linux platform. It's one of the things that I love and one of the ways that I can share my passion with other people because I don't have to tell them they need to buy this really expensive software to make it work. Here is this amazing professional quality software. You can do all the things that you need to do in your photography manipulation on it and share my passion multiple ways without them feeling overwhelmed with The software that they need on top of already sometimes buying fairly expensive hardware. There are multiple people in our community that make music and whatnot on Linux with professional software on these different operating systems. We talked a lot last week about phones, and if it wasn't for the people that were passionate about providing root and rom, then either I would have to find time in my life to learn that, that's not going to happen, or that wouldn't be an option at all. All of the subgroups that are inside our gigantic geek group make the world go around with their different passions bringing stuff to the table for more people to learn about.
1: So to to dovetail into that, Wendy, I kind of think that the Linux and open source tools that we use and the passion for the underlying technology, that's kind of the glue that pulls all together these different various interests. Like, you know, Matt is big into gaming. You are into photography. I'm into all kinds of things. What facilitates that, those different passions that we have, is the open source ecosystem, that framework that we can build on to have and pursue our passions, our desires, our hobbies, and everything else. It's just really cool when you really think about it, how the collective of us are able to motivate and enable one another to do great things. I think we're very fortunate. This episode of DLN Extend is brought to you by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager we use and trust. It's the easiest, safest way for individuals, teams, businesses, and organizations to store their passwords and other vital sensitive information. Bitwarden lets you choose the authentication to access your password manager, such as PIN, master password, and adding phrases or fingerprint security. All to keep your passwords safe. Go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. Bitwarden is a password manager that I use and trust because Bitwarden is 100% open source. It has extensive security audits. It gives you the ability to self-host if you so choose. So go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. It's only $10 for a premium account, which gives you one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F Duo, Vault Health Reports, and more. Make the smart move like many from the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash DLN to get started for free. If you're like me, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the Premium Edition, especially since the Premium Edition starts at only $10 annually. Bitwarden has saved me from getting into a Serious Jam numerous times. Now, you wouldn't be able to pry it from my cold, dead device. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of
0: DLN Extend. While we're thankful for people sharing knowledge and everything from the community, Wendy, you have been trying to gain some new knowledge.
2: I am trying to gain some new knowledge. It is time to rebuild the guinea pig cages. We have some CNC cages that we've built. They have lots and lots of room to run. The problem is they pretty much take up most of the girl's bedroom. So we need to rebuild them and I need to rebuild them in a way that they go up instead of just out. I've ordered some new panels because I'm going to need new panels and I was wanting to see what my idea would look. Like, downloaded and installed FreeCAD. This one has quite the learning curve, and so far, well, I'm not really getting any vision of what the cage will end up looking like, but I am slowly learning how to use it. I actually watched some tutorials this morning and realized that the way I even started things off wasn't right. It's not very intuitive for somebody who's never used something like this before. So, I have a lot of work to do. The staff will be here to build the cages probably before I get FreeCAD figured out, but I would like to learn (laughs) how to use this piece of software. It seems like once you have a grasp of it and the workflow and the stages that it takes to build something out, that it is such an amazing piece of software. It's just going to take me some time to figure it out. If you have played with and used FreeCAD and you know of this really awesome tutorial, please share it with me. I do want to learn some more. I want to figure out how the next time we build cages or who knows what else we're doing, have the ability to build it through FreeCAD and have a 3D version of it. Normally, in the past, a cage would still be 3D, right? It still has height, depth, and width, but it's just spreading out over the course of the floor. So I've normally just marked that out on graphing paper. I've got my even blocks. I could make sure that my drawing is to scale and be able to put it in the room accurately. But where this one is supposed to be going upwards, I tried to draw it out for my daughter yesterday and just doing on the graph paper multiple views, it's really hard to get the scope of it. It'd be so nice if I could build it out and roll it around and see like this is where everything looks, this is where everything was going, plus add some room dimensions and make sure that it's going to fit in line with her dresser or whatnot. I'm still going to learn. I probably won't get the guinea pig cage actually built in FreeCAD this time. Well, I probably will still build it, but it might already be built beforehand and our pet's living in it.
1: I'm not a FreeCAD expert. I do use FreeCAD. I think you're doing some more like assembly stuff, and I've never had really good luck with assembly on FreeCAD. As far as the part building, it's not too bad. It does lack some features I'm accustomed to. It is getting better, and I am subscribed to The FreeCAD GitHub account. And there is constant work being done on it. I mean, it it probably makes up 80% of the emails I get as far as the, that's probably a little much, 60% of the emails I get as far as what's going on in FreeCAD. So I can barely keep ahead of everything that's going on. But there is a lot of work being done. It is getting better. And I'm impressed by the improvements that have happened in the last couple of years. A few years ago, when I first started using FreeCAD, it was rather difficult to do assemblies. You had to like add another module and it was kind of uh, cumbersome. Now it's improved. It's not my favorite, but it has improved. It's going to continue to get better. There really is a focus on it. I think probably by the next release, we're going to see some pretty serious improvements yet. I have a project that I need to continue here as time allows, but I will be doing a lot with FreeCAD as far as that's concerned. So I may be able to help you. Maybe. I don't know. We'll find
2: out. This is one of those situations where I really wish you didn't live across the country. I wish we could go meet somewhere look over the application and you could be like oh yeah this is what's going wrong just like i do with my students in html where i can just quickly look at their code and be like oh yeah this is capitalized and it's not in your code or you put Mm -hmm. an n instead of an m you know just be able to quickly glance at it and see what's going on but no you're way across the gosh dang country but thanks for your help i will still be calling on you to help me figure this stuff out
1: Oh, for sure. we could always do like a Jitsi meetup or a Zoom or something. And if you have a question, I suppose we could do that. yeah. Yeah. Share screens. I'll make sure to get a little bit smarter at using FreeCAD here. Hopefully this next project will allow me the expertise I need to be able to be more helpful.
2: Well, you're light years ahead of me when it comes to understanding how it works, or I guess it probably maybe is a hindrance because you worked with other CAD software before. So you have a particular workflow or functions that you like, and then it's hard to jump into another CAD program where it doesn't work exactly the same way, and trying to refigure out how to make it do what you want it to.
1: Yes, that is an issue. It's not an easy one to overcome. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the same issues people have if they're coming from other photography software to something like Darktable or Raw Therapy. You have this workflow that you've used, that you've used professionally for sometimes years, in some people's cases, decades, and making that transition can be a little bit difficult. We'll be staying in touch, not that we aren't anyway from the show, but on this subject in particular. Now, we both have a kitchen system, and you are using yours a little bit more this time of year?
1: It is that time of year when I ramp up my baking. The kitchen system is becoming more important for me once again, kind of late in the cycle, but I did upgrade this machine to OpenSUSE Leap 15.3 now. And so it's been great. The touchscreen still works great. Although I did notice if I get a little sloppy and I splash something on the screen, all of a sudden it kind of goes crazy. Like I kept trying to show and hide my desktop, that button in the corner on plasma in the lower right-hand corner. I had to like stop everything and wipe the whole screen down to get any of the whatever was on the screen. Yeah, so I'm ramping up my Thanksgiving, Christmas time baking now. I've been pulling out some other recipes and so forth. I'm really glad I have that. I can't say enough how useful a kitchen computer is. I mean, it's been there for several years now. It's just kind of a regular part of, it's like another appliance. It's got the KitchenAid mixer and got the computer there. I can't say enough how great it is to have a computer in the kitchen. Oh, here's another thing I'm thankful for. It does make my kitchen duties much smoother, much easier to accomplish and a lot more efficient really. I'm pretty excited to get back to doing indoor kitchen tasks as opposed to pounding fence posts and digging trenches outside.
2: Yeah, by the time winter's over, you're going to be ready to go do that stuff again. I have to agree though, after having a kitchen system, I really don't think that I could go back to not having one again. It is so incredibly useful for just looking things up in a hurry because we're walking through the kitchen all the time, pulling up recipes, listening to podcasts. There's all kinds of stuff that happens on that system. And the best part about it, I'm not doing photography work. I'm not even doing audio editing, though sometimes I will do show notes from that system. But that means it really doesn't have to be super powerful. And there are so many of these smaller desktop style systems that works so nice in the kitchen. You're using an all-in-one with the touchscreen. There's parts of that that could be extremely handy. I might have to get my hands on a used one of those, though. That might mean we'd have two kitchen systems.
1: Hmm. The more the merrier.
2: Absolutely.
1: It's like having a double oven instead of a single, you know? You got double kitchen systems. It's great.
2: Got the recipe on one and a podcast on the other. Not that exactly. I would need to. to do that, but let's just say I do.
1: <laughs> I'm okay with that.
2: Now, will Magneto believe me?
1: I think he can be persuaded. So, Matt, I might be uh, playing around in the kitchen with my computer, but you're actually playing around with something else here.
0: Nate, you're always playing around in the kitchen. You know, you like to cook and bake and all the other fun stuff. So, you know, that's kind of expected from you. I am actually playing a shock and surprise, kind of like Nate's unhealthy obsession with susa You know, another <laughs> video game recommendation. The game is Scarlet Nexus. This is a platinum rated game if you want to play it on Linux. It's available on PS4, Windows, and probably not Mac because, you know, that would require a decent GPU. Barring the M1 <laughs> stuff, obviously. PS4, Xbox, all that stuff. This is a very anime game. Probably... 65, 35, 60, 40 on like it's 60% story. So it's a lot of typical anime that you would see. But the 40%, if all you care about is that 40%, that other 60%, you won't care that you have to go through to play that 40%. Requires two playthroughs because it's done through two different protagonists. It's a female and a male character. One specializes in ranged combat, one specializes in close-up combat. You get different overlapping segments of the story. So you get the female character's perspective. And and then you get the guy's perspective. And then when you actually see the overall story at the end, you're like, oh, I understand everything makes more sense. Because if you only play one side, I'm not going to lie, you will be totally confused and calling it a psychedelic experience just from one side of the story. You'll be like, what the heck is going on? I mean, you'll still have that because it's an anime inspired <laughs> game, but you, at least it'll in your brain click a little more than if you just play one side of it. But the combat is fun as heck because it's like psychic powers, you know, uh, and all this other stuff. It's really, really fun game. I don't pick many games up on day one. I picked this game up day one. I don't know why it took me so long to actually make this recommendation because I actually played the entire game
1: twice. Well, this is just me, but none of those outfits look particularly comfortable. It's the future, you know. The future and everything's uncomfortable and bulky. Yes, it's like
0: every (laughs) trope of sci-fi thrown into a blender. Only way I could describe it. I mean, it looks like my
1: systems have a chutzpah to be able to push it.
0: It doesn't require a lot, luckily. I think it's a 760 minimum.
1: I know about tentacles out the guy's back, whatever on that, but you know, it looks cool.
0: A short version of that, basically think the Matrix. There's a reason for him and all that stuff.
1: And boots like that. I'm sorry. That doesn't seem like a lot of fun. <laughs> Just saying.
2: It's extremely high praise from you to say, not only have you played a game all the way through but you've played it all the way through twice. You've mentioned multiple times that you don't normally replay games. Is it the storyline in this one or the gameplay? What brought you back for a second playthrough?
0: Storyline. I initially went through and played only as the male character. Cause I was like, okay, whatever. It's probably the same storyline regardless, you know, minor differences and how like maybe the world sees you or characters interact with you, but just typical minor details. Cause usually that's what happens in those type of games. It's like ancillary stuff. It's not very different. So instead of saying he, they'll say her, you know, those kind of things. Nope. This one definitely, uh, you need to play it because you're going to be confused as heck about some of the motivations of the characters about why they do certain things unless you play the other story, then it makes sense when you look at it from having played the other story. That's what made me go back and play it. Talk about being confused.
2: So we'd say it's almost like two games in one because you're getting so much more from both sides of the story.
0: Gameplay wise, it's the same type of structure. The female character has more ranged abilities. That's her forte, but generically, a lot of What the other character has, the other character will also have. Not carbon copies, but they can duplicate powers and that kind of stuff when it comes to the combat portion. Solely story. I love the combat, don't get me wrong. It's always fun being able to pick up a car and throw it at a bad guy. There's just something kind of therapeutic about it. Mm. For me, it was definitely a solely story. They have done a pretty good job at keeping the game updated. The season pass, whether or not you're into that, eh... I would debate whether or not it's worth it right now. But if you're just looking for the base game, whatever the price is for the base game, you will get at least, I'm going to say, 30 to 60 hours minimum of cost with this game as far as like time investment.
2: Nice. And this one's pretty dang new. It was released this year.
0: Yeah. And here's the nice thing. This game worked day one for Proton, by the way. Nice. Awesome. Zero configuration. Zero. And that was with just Steam version of Proton. That was click install and click play and hey, it worked. So one other thing that I want to kind of throw out there is that on December 13th, starting at 9 a.m., I will be doing a 24-hour live stream for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I will be donating 50 bucks to one open source project from a list of projects that the community will get to decide on. You'll be able to find that on our Discord forum and in the YouTube community tab. That'll get pushed out closer to when we actually air for the event. Again, that's December 13th at 9 a.m. to December 14th. 9 a.m. There's also a list of games that the whole community can participate in. There's a bunch of selections in the YouTube community tab right now, as well as the Discord forum also for the multiplayer games. Make sure you stop by. We'll have some fun. And most of all, stop by just to make sure you troll Ryan and Michael as they attempt to play games. I'm super excited for when we play Among Us.
2: Me too. I can't wait. Among Us, Among Us, Among Us.
0: I can't wait for you guys to figure out that game will not be being played among us.
2: <laughs> Thank you so much for letting us know that we'll be playing among us. You guys all heard it here. Matt confirmed that is one of the games we are playing. Yes,
0: one of the games we are playing is not among us.
2: <laughs> Once again, another fantastic confirmation it's a game we are playing. <laughs>
0: so many things I want to say we would like to continue the discussion with you on telegram and discourse mumble or discord visit the DLN website for more information on how to connect to the social channels and all our shows and creators at destination Linux network if you would like to hang out with us on our preferred social media channels, see the links below at the bottom of the show description or drop us a message on the contact form by visiting dlnextend.com contacts. Be sure to check out the DLN merch store and grab yourself some awesome DLN Extend swag and along with swag from other shows across the network. As always, we thank you for joining. We'll be back next week for another awesome episode of DLN Extend. Until next week, have a great week. everybody. I love the sweater.
2: <laughs> For those of you who are only listening to this show, I just shared an ugly Christmas sweater in the Deal and Extend crew chat, and it has to be my favorite ugly Christmas sweater I found so far. Where my husband started working for a new company, we're probably going to have a Christmas party this year. And I decided I needed to wear an ugly Christmas sweater to it and get a really good first impression with everybody who works with one of my favorite skits ever from SNL with Christopher Walken and the more cowbell. Well, this is a play on that. I might actually even just share the link in the description because it's absolutely hilarious. Everybody needs a Christopher Walken Ugly Christmas sweater.
0: Also, go pick up some Christopher Walken movies while you're at it because, you know, yeah, love Christopher Walken.
1: Oh, for sure. He plays such an interesting character all the time. All the time. It's like he's a little bit of a loose cannon, but you're not really sure if he's a loose cannon, but he's kind of a loose cannon. I can't remember the movie. It's been so many years since I've seen it, but there's a lot of cows. Chris Walken just says, that's a lot of cows. And I say that an awful lot.
2: Like we've purposely showed the kids the More Cowbell skit just because and so then I've got that same blue oyster cult song on my playlist and when it comes on like every time it comes on when we're driving I look at my daughter and go More Cowbell <laughs> she just shakes her head at You me. can
0: never have I need more cowbell you can never have enough cowbell <laughs> Will Farrell and his... <laughs> just the, it was just such a perfect
1: cast at that time.
2: Now that we've thoroughly got off topic... Thoroughly. You're welcome. I did it this time instead of Nate.
1: Yes, Which yes, is true. Did. Congrats. I tip my hat to you, good ma'am. Thank you. I think we beat the
0: horse to death. Okay. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yep.
2: No, no, no. I've got one more thing. I'm just kidding. I don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve Jobs. One more thing. <laughs>